Hello, I'm Olivia Wayne and welcome to Live In The Moment. This is a series dedicated to living life to the fullest. That's not always easy, especially after the year 2020 grew up, but there is always something we can do or something we can try to shift our mindset and outlook to help remember that life is good and living it to the fullest is something within our control. I've invited a number of brilliant, motivated, inspiring people to try to ascertain and learn what they do to keep themselves happy, positive, and living in the moment. Now, I feel really excited and grateful to have my guest today because he is probably the busiest man on the planet. But one thing you consistently read about him is that he always does an interview, whether it's for a giant media outlet or an unknown YouTuber. And for that, I am thrilled. Eddie Hearn, he is boxing. He is the ultimate salesman, was blessed with the gift of the gab and radiates positivity, great energy and someone who most definitely lives in the moment. His career is fascinating, his work ethic is unparalleled and the way he has dominated and transformed boxing is remarkable yet seemingly unsurprising given his motivation, determination and relentless hustle a published author, a real-life manifester, from selling double glazing in Romford at 15 years old to promoting his first world title fight at 32, and in 2018, signing boxing's first billion-dollar deal. Eddie Hearn. Oh, blimey. I'd like like to not do any podcasts. Can you just keep going? You know, this is great. When you talk about feeling good, how do you feel good? You can just keep doing more of that. To be honest, yeah, yeah, enjoyed it. When you do write an intro or something for someone and you read about them, it is such an amazing way to be like, whoa, I hope this person knows what they've done. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that part of the, you know, I've, I've obviously through lockdown had the blessing of doing a lot of these podcasts and I've got one as well for BBC and I spoke to a lot of interesting people. And the common theme was, no one is really sitting back going, oh, I can't believe I did that. Or, wow, I've cracked it. Or, we're on top of the game. We're unbelievable. It's always, you know, uh, probably a lack of feeling of fulfillment, which can sometimes be dangerous and can sometimes, you have to be a little bit careful. But I think it's Frank Lampard who said, you know, he said, when I won the Champions League, then I stood up with a trophy and I didn't feel numb, but I just, I didn't feel like I was complete. You know, I always felt that if I won the Champions League, I would think I've cracked it. What else can you do? But I just felt that, and that's because he's a competitor. Mm. And that's because you love to win. You love to push yourself. So you have to be a little bit careful because where does it end? You know, at what point? For you, where does it ever end? I mean, because you've literally achieved the greatest heights and feats in your career, it seems. And then you just do something else. Mm. Well, you have to keep, yeah, you have to keep evolving, but you have to love what you do. You know, it goes back to um, having a passion and a drive that that gives you. you know, when people talk about a relentless work ethic, that can be within you. You can be a grafter, but the reality is, if you don't have a passion for what you do, if you don't have a love and a zest and and that that energy that you feel, it's like selling. You know, I'm a salesman. And when you're selling something you believe in, when you sell something you're passionate about, you know, it's a transfer of emotions between myself and a fight fan or myself and a pay-per-view customer or myself and a fighter or a broadcaster or a sponsor, all these different people. So I think it's a lot easier when you have that energy. But where it ends for me 
I don't know. I mean, my dad's 71. He's, you know, I was in the office with him all day today. He's supposed to be stepping that back a little bit, but he loves it, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure I want to be 71 doing that. I'd probably, probably rather the exit where, you know, you could have that moment on the beach, you know, with a nice glass of champagne and, and think, it's oh, over. Yeah, I but heard you say this before on another podcast, it's yeah. a beach moment. But I just don't buy it because ultimately someone like you and seemingly your dad, and I don't want to just lump you two together, you're your own people, but I feel like you've brought him up already. And I feel like that he's a common theme in your mm-hmm. kind of um chat. But um does that not keep you work keeps you alive, keeps you hungry, keeps yeah, you living? Yeah, Take I think that away and you'd be a bit true, yeah, true. I think so. And it's just what kind of work, you know. I mean, I work in boxing, which is you have to sleep with one eye open. You know, it's not you know, he even now, still for you. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to get be beaten, you know, you don't want to be overtaken. So I'm I'm never I've never been the type to um I'm actually it will surprise people to know that I'm actually quite pessimistic in business because but I think it's like a subconscious thing where I keep myself in check. So, you know, I might do a major deal, but say, yeah, but will will the fight actually happen? You know, like it's, I'm always like checking my, I don't know why I do it, but. Oh, wait, do you, do you require people to boost you up or it's not, a, 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 you don't voice not it? Really, no, no, not really. Just, I like to sort of manage expectation and manage disappointment because in, bo- in the boxing business, especially at the moment with COVID, you are waking up to bad news every day. And that's quite depressing about boxing in general is, you know, you can create a show and then a week out, someone can get injured, someone can get ill, and and it all comes crashing down. Um, And you have to deal with some interesting people as well. In darts or snooker that, you know, my dad controls, these people are generally sort of overwhelmed to even be given the opportunity. You know, you provide the events for them, they turn up, they say thank you, they play, they get their money and and everyone moves on to the next week. So, but it doesn't have the drama in and out of the sporting arena that boxing does. So I do feel like boxing is something that it's very difficult to have longevity. And that's why, you know, a lot of my competitors now, I mean, Bob Arum is nearly 90. You know, he runs top rank. My dad's 71. Frank Warren, I think, is approaching 70. So I admire these people because they've been been grinding all their life, you know, and generally those people that I mentioned in one sport, in one business. For us, you know, if we step back from boxing – we would still have a huge business, but we love boxing. It's so exciting. And you know, it comes down to not wanting to be beaten. So when you talk about that beach moment, that that means you step back, you step out. And that means you can't compete anymore. So just like an athlete who may bow out at the top of their game, they will miss the competition and, and a, a, it will leave a void you know, in their life. And that was, that's the same as a businessman. Our competition... So most people who work in sport are a failed athlete, right? So I'm a failed athlete. You know, I was, I was decent at sport, but I would have loved to have been a professional footballer or cricketer or whatever it was I played, but I was never good enough. So this is the next best thing. But when you play sport growing up and when that's drummed into you as a kid, that's why I think sport is so important for, for children because it gives you that competitive instinct. Yes, you know, and I said um in the, the book because they're taking part is that not the way no, that counts? no, no I mean, that, but that's in the book you know and i was never brought up that way you know yeah. if i went out and played cricket and you know i come home and my, my even my mum you know my mum and dad would say to me how'd you get on today i go oh, i got out for six but you know it was a great catch they got oh 
Oh, come on, son. What's the matter? What's the matter? Six? Rubbish. Come on. Go and knock in a 50 tomorrow. Or, you know, it was never, oh, come on, Ed. You, know, you went out there. You took part. And I don't I don't mind that. In you know, I'm what a parent. What are you about your daughters on this? Um, I mean, I will say, you know, the sports day, I'm a bit of a nightmare. You know, it's like, you know, and you, you have to win this race. You have to win this race. I feel like sometimes that the pressure can be good. You know, pressure creates diamonds is a great saying. And I just think you have to know what people are about. Some people can't handle pressure. Some people thrive under pressure. But it's never a bad thing to be put under pressure because you will learn so much. You know, if, if you fail, you know, you'll learn how to deal with that situation again. But the, the pressure, this is a brilliant point because your whole job, career, life is pressure from like, you're back to back to back all day in a normal life you're on a plane jetting in jetting out having to be everywhere you are documented everything you do is basically mm. documented how do you keep cool under pressure that's a good question and you know when we spoke off recording although you think that secretly you know i'm deeper than i think i might be i just i try and keep things as simple as possible so i believe that um in terms of sort of mental health and mindset the best thing to do is to focus on your short-term goals or your short-term problems i know too many people that overthink things all the time things that might not even manifest things that might not even exist but they're worried about when they do or if they do or what happens if you know i find that if i'm feeling a little bit low or you know i've lost a little bit of sort of focus on on what i'm doing I will just simply write down what I need to make today a successful day. You know, what I have to do to get back on track. So, you know, do that because this is like number one. This is amazing. These can be menial things. You know, they don't have to be sign this fight today or, you know, sign this TV deal. They can be go to MS or walk the dog or go to the gym. It's the sense of fulfillment that gives you value or gives you worth, you know, to make you feel like you're making progress, that you're not sitting still. So if I write down, you know, I might go to bed and think, oh, blimey, that was that wasn't a very productive day and all this and that. And I just write down, you know, I mean, a lot of it is work related, but, you know, a lot of it will say, you know, must send that contract, must try and do that deal, must try and make that fight, must go to the gym in the morning, walk the dog when I get in, you know, or, you know, spend some time and take the kids to the park or whatever it is. And when you look back on your day, you go, Tick, 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 tick. That was a good day. Okay, we're back. You know, that that for me works. I think too many people worry about things that, you know, there's no value in worrying about till you get there. People have, I have no problem with medium and long-term goals. But in reality, if you don't take care of the short-term problems, short-term goals, you'll never get there. It's a bit like running a marathon. You know, if you start on the line and start thinking 26 miles, Jesus Christ, like that. But if you actually take it mile by mile by mile by mile, you'll break it the problems down a lot easier. And I think that's you know, a lot to be said with life in, in life in that respect. And I think keep things simple, you know, don't overthink things, focus on the short term goal. So for me, when things get on top or you might get a little bit miserable, I mean, exercise is great. You know, what do you do? what's your preferred exercise? I'm never really, you know, I've, I've run a marathon. Um, oh, you know, I do, yeah, I do run a little bit. No, I'm like six foot five and 16 and a half stone. So like it's, you know, but my dad ran about 11 marathons and he always took the mickey out of me and said, you will never run a marathon. So I actually got in and done it. I run still, um, 
Peloton a couple of times a week. I just, I don't do it. You know, I do it to try and stay healthy yeah, more than anything. Peloton. Can we Peloton, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I think is important, but I think when, you know, but there's you can always self improvement is never ending, isn't it? You know, and I'm not I've not moved on to the meditation yet and stuff like this, but you know this is something anything's different that works for you. You know what I works for me on that mm. because I think meditation isn't literally sitting there um, mm. quiet. But like your meditation might be in walking the dog, or you know yeah. you might do it in another way where you switch off some of the others, like probably not being around your phone or something. It's probably yeah. quite meditative for you. Mm. Um, would you say you're beyond productive? Like, do you feel like you're a lazy person, or are you the opposite? Like, what is it that gets you up every? Like, are you an, a morning person? Probably not a morning person. I mean, I'm not massively social anymore you know I mean I used to live for going out with the boys you know when I was 18 19 20 20 or yeah those kind of things and actually now because life is so fast-paced I've actually rather not go out and socialize you know my my missus would always say God, you're you're unsociable aren't you I don't want, I spend my whole day talking to people yeah right and you know and if I'm not talking to people intentionally I might be on a train going to Liverpool Street or wherever, and then I'm in a conversation with some bloke next to me who wants to know when AJ's fighting Tyson Fury, you know, and that's... Whoa, the third does that come up often? Yeah, yeah, I know. So, so I, I, like, I, like, I like to be... I do like to be on my own, you know, and actually when I'm travelling a lot, although, you know, that can be quite a lonely experience sometimes, I do like, I do like being in a hotel, you know, and having my own space. And actually, I'm quite a simple person in that, I could actually I often say to myself, I think I could live in the hotel room. You know, I get up every morning, I just go to the office, go to work, come back, go for dinner, come back at eight or nine, bosh, go to sleep, get up, it's cleaned again, off we go, you know. And then I don't again that goes back to overthinking. You know, I don't I don't want for much. I don't feel like I go through my life saying, Oh, I want that and you know, I want what's your motivator? Is it literally competition with your father or proving something, or is it money, or is it what is it that does it for you to get it's you up every morning? It's, it's winning. Winning is the motivation, you know, and that's that goes back to you know. There's definitely you know, when I wrote the book, I wrote it in lockdown. It was it was quite sort of nice, sort of self healing experience where you look back over your life and you realise why you end up with a mindset you do, you know, and that evolves over time. So for me, it was growing up being Barry Hearn's son, you know, everywhere I went, oh, it's Barry's boy, it's Barry's boy. I mean, I know most people didn't know my name, you know. But listen, I I was extremely lucky, you know. My dad's from Dagnum. He made a lot of money. I, I had a great upbringing, you know, because of his success. But I was always in the shadows. So, you know, and at the time, I didn't care. I loved, you know, I couldn't tell people fast enough that I was Barry Hearn's son. Oh, you know, right. Back so it wasn't at the time. Oh, no, I loved it. No, I loved it. I mean, I was going to the shows all over the world, you know, and it was almost like a welcoming conversation. Hi, yeah, I'm Barry Hernson. Yeah, yeah, you know the boxing. That's me. Yeah, that's my dad. You know, and that was I was I was horrible at fourteen. <laughs> I mean, I look back now thinking, oh, that I'd love to give myself a clip round the ear, you know. So, but actually, as time went on, going back to Frank Lampard, he went to my school. I went to his school, and he was in the year above me. And he was always Frank Lampard's son because his dad paid for West Ham, and you know, and when he got into West Ham. 
at 17, everyone ridiculed him. I mean, even at school, because he was he was a good player, but he was never you never watched him at school and think, wow, this kid's gonna go on and play in a Premier League or Champions League. But he worked hard. You know, his dad was always over the picture with him after school, doing his shuttle runs. But when he got into West Ham, he was a bit chubby at the time, wasn't he? Remember? And everyone said, Oh, he's got him because Harry Redknapp's Harry Redknapp's uncle, and it's ridiculous. And and Harry took a lot of stick. He went on, Frank Lampard, to be one of the greatest England players ever. You know, one of the best premiership players ever. And he's actually, you know, quite a big inspiration for me because he was never gifted with speed or, you know, or immense power or, you know, he 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 worked on the things that he had and he improved on the things that he didn't have. But the, his mindset enabled him to achieve what he's achieved. So, again, I sort of... I, I look what? Graft and win. Like, what yeah, is yeah, what the will to win? And I think a lot of it was proving people wrong. A lot of it was the similar mindset that I had, which was okay, if I just it's, it's quite easy for me. I mean, you know, whenever I do something, people will always say, Yeah, but blimey, you know, you did have a good start, didn't you? You barry her son, yeah. And that's no, but that's 100% right. You have to play the hand that you're dealt. I was dealt a good hand, but the difficulty for me was to take what he had achieved to levels beyond where he'd achieved. And that was the only way that I could be deemed to be a success. If I went into the family business, if we just carried on doing what we're doing, that was it. You know, that's, well, you're going to do that, Eddie, aren't you? Dad's built that and, you know, you've got these sky deals. And, okay, so how do we change the face of boxing? How do we expand globally? How do we, you know, quadruple whatever our our turnover? You know, these are the targets that I set ourselves. But really what we do you know, even to this day, me and my dad, it's competition. So he, we will sit down and plan the year financially at the start of the year. And he'll say, well, you know, darts, I want to hit this number. Boxing, I want to hit. And it's not, it doesn't matter if it's 1 million or 100 million. That's the number. And you have to beat it. <laughs> and that comes back to sport again, you know. So, of course, you want to beat your opposition. You know, you want to beat your competitors. And that, that again, goes back to sport. But So even though you work together, you're really each other's... Oh, really? Yeah, because... He, doesn't, he has nothing to do with boxing and I have nothing to do at the moment really with snooker. So I will tell him, this is a, this is our numbers this year. Let me see snooker. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, but that's, but he's my best mate. Your dad and working with your dad keeps you living in the moment as well. Like mm. it probably fuels and keeps, like you're quite lucky and privileged to spend all this time, but it not be in a kind of going around to visit my dad for a cup of tea. It's like mm. you get to be working, energised, pumped together. Living in the moment, which I know is what the podcast based Sorry. on. You know, it has to, no, but it has to come from enjoyment and a passion and fulfilment. And everything, all these topics of conversation always come back to a passion for what you do. What was you know, your passion going at the, when you were young? Like, was this always the passion winning, ultimately? Didn't matter in what. Yeah, the passion. I mean, I was, you know, at sport, I was a bad loser, really. You know, and I, I, I accepted defeat, but I always wanted to win, and normally by any means necessary. You know, that was the kind of attitude mm-hmm. that, you know, beating wasn't really up there. But you know, it, it, whatever it took, you know, to win, is is what we had to do. And I don't know, like the, I, I just I love to see. We we we're inspired by so many things at the business. You know, we our head office is my old house where I grew up. So the business means a lot to us. You know, like my dad worked for years and years to establish that business, and I feel a, a, a obligation 
to keep the legacy moving and, and to take it to another level. And I bounce off the buzz that he gets to see me doing that. You know, I know that he's proud, you know, proud of, you know, he worked in boxing, he sees me now, and even probably the people that he was competing with 30 years ago. And he's sort of going, go on, smash him up, you know, like, and, but he's a, he's an inspirational character because he, and I said in the book as well, and he takes the mick out of me for saying this, is my, I'm jealous that he came from nothing, right? And gets to feel probably a different way about things that I get to feel. And he says, oh, shut up. You, you didn't want to come from where I come from. And I said, no, maybe not. But I never got the chance to make it from nothing. So this comes back to play the hand you dealt. But I know, you know, sometimes I'll be walking around the garden with him around his house. And I see him just, you know, he loves he loves land, right? You know, and he'll buy some fields and and he'll just look over the field as if to say, I can't believe, you know, as if to say, if you knew where I come from, you know, you wouldn't believe this. And that that's a highly inspirational story. Yeah. I never got the chance to do that. Maybe yeah. I could have made, maybe I can't. But again, yourself around, haven't you? Yeah, you know what I mean. But you know. It's all levels, isn't it? It's levels. So, you know, if he's gone up five levels, so have I. But I just started at level five. You know, that's the difference. So, no, but sorry, but, you started off life as a spoilt, cocky little kid. Yeah. And you flipped it. You've worked on yourself to be like hardworking, humble, mm. and yeah. grafting, not just accepting what was dealt to you. So, I think mm. it's a different type of. It is. Yeah, it's a different type of success and fulfillment. I mean, you know, often I've got two daughters, uh, 11 and 8, and, you know, we're doing a bit of homeschooling at the moment. And, and I just... Um, I really, you do a lot of that. I try. I try. <laughs> my my temper is not the best, you know, when I'm just... I, normally it lasts about 45 minutes, and my wife says to me, just go to work. Just go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Bye. Like, okay, I'll take that. You know what I mean? So, but for me, it's... Uh, I, I was, you know, and, and it was difficult in the upbringing that I had not to be flash and cocky to be honest with you like I was a, I wasn't a bad kid but I just I was I was cocky you know I was full of myself and because of the, the environment that I lived in so that for me is the most important thing as a parent is to make sure that yes academically I would love you to do well but just to have that respect and, and manners and you know and it's difficult with two daughters because at the same time you work so hard would be the same if I had a son but you you want to spoil them. And that's what my dad was like with me. You know, he wanted to make sure that I had manners and, and integrity, but he's, you know, he's made this money. Yeah. He's achieved it and he wants you to share in that success. So, and, and that's nice. And, and family for us is very important. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a unique family. It is, you know, it, it's, you, I heard in an interview, you said, um, the interviewer I won't say who um, riled me because he said, you know, and what happens afterwards with matrim? Because you know, I you don't have a son to pass yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm fully aware that you know it's not necessarily right now, and I, I'm not like obviously I'm a feminist, but I'm not saying like, but you know, is there even a discussion, a thought, an interest from your daughters, or is it just? I got in trouble the other day with my wife and my sister because what I said was is that I wouldn't want my daughters to take over the family business and and i said and if i but if i had a son i would probably push him to take over the family. this didn't go down well and what i 
why I can imagine. Let me explain what I meant. Please do. I don't, you know, the, the responsibilities that I felt to do it, I don't want them to have. I want them to find their own passion. And for me, this is what I was always destined to do, right? From from an early age, my dad would say, you know, one day, son, you know, you'll be running this and, you know, get ready for this. And, you know, this is a, you know, probably when he started with his mate, this is a mobile son. You'll have one of these mobile phones. This is a fax machine. Son. And this is what it was like, you know. Your mobile phone. Yeah, I would sit in his study and I would listen to him row and argue for hours because I was waiting for him to give me a game of table tennis or, you know, whatever it was growing up. So I, what I meant by that when I said it was, I want them to find their own passion. I don't want them to feel like this is what I have to do because I believe they can do anything. And I also know the pressures of what it brings. And the pressure of a family business is actually very different to, you know, the, the, you, you live and you breathe it. And if I, and I, I can't imagine, yes, as a business owner, but, it's different, you know, when you, why would they not handle the pressure and your son would I don't want them to, you know, I, I want them, I want them to be happy. I want them to be free, but probably because, and it's not boy or girl. It's just that I know how I was treated as the son, you know, to the hair to the throne. That's that. That was how it was. And I would probably have that, but I never got, it there was it wasn't and there was no choice it was just this is what you will end up doing mm. and for them i want to see if they can be athletes i want to see if they could you know be actresses or you know whatever whatever there was that they loved and not feel like yeah but i kind of got to do this haven't i i bet yeah. one of them will love promoting Probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. major female promoter yeah, no i definitely don't want them working in boxing it doesn't go down to male or female. It's just aggravation. I don't want my girls to have of aggravation in their life. I want them to be happy. I want them to enjoy themselves, you know. And um, the, the whole male female thing is more because of, of probably my dad's mentality towards, you know, my sister is a shareholder of the business. You know, I mean, she was a Premier League producer at Sky for, for many years. She now runs a TV production arm at Matrim. So she's massively involved in the business. But yeah. she was never told, right, you, you know, and my dad has that old school mentality. I mean, my mum made make sure every day to this day that there's a shirt ironed on the door for him in the morning. Old East End mentality, you know. I mean, I don't get that. You know, I you know, where's my bacon and eggs in the morning? You know, but that's right because women say no, and the world's changed massively, and rightfully so, by the way. But yeah. back then, that was the mentality. It was, you know, I go to work, you take care of the house and the kids. And when I come home, we'll have a bit of dinner and don't forget my shirt in the morning. That's the old school East End mentality, you know, and the world's changed a lot since then as well. And and by the way, growing up as well was the same thing. Son, I found, you know, you're, you're next, right? That was what it was like, you know, as in really? you, you've got to take over this business. Yeah, it was never Katie, you know, because I don't know, it was just like she was very bright and and it was just like, I'm, you follow me everywhere. I was going to every boxing event, every so. So that was just a natural progression of, you know, following in your father's footsteps. When your dad used to get quite, I guess, angry, and, you know, you, you I've heard you mention, like, you know, shouting on the phone and mm. all that stuff. Do you think you have inherited that way of dealing in business? or Because your persona that we see is very approachable, kind of calm, 
you know, charisma, all of mm. those things. Is that what you're really like, or is that? Yeah, I'm a lot calmer than I'm a lot calmer than him. You know, I think that I will, I will, I have the ability to take a lot more to get something done. You know, like he'll say, sometimes we'll be in a meeting, and or he'll say to me, "What's happening?" And I'll say, you know, oh, arguing with this fighter or this manager, and he wants this, and he wants this, and he wants this, and he's like, "Tell him to." You know, I said, no, no, don't worry, we'll get there. We'll get, you know, oh, I don't know how you put up with these people. You know, I think he would he would lose his temper a lot quicker. But I'm quite, you know, I'm quite calm in that. I think there's always a solution, always, you know. And, and if a deal makes sense to people, we'll get there, you know. And it might take a bit of time. It will take a little bit of honesty. But if we're honest with each other and cards on the table, we can get there and we can make it work. And, you know, um, he's he's... People want to deal with you there. Do you think people like dealing with you? Um, you are, it's probably a misconception. I mean, like the amount of people that I deal with who say, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, you have to understand when you're not saying arrogant, but when you're top of, you know, an industry, the talk is this guy's an arsehole, you know, you, oh, God, you should, you know, arrogant. And, and the amount of people we work with who say, oh, it fascinates me. Say, you're, you're actually all right. <laughs> you know, it's, and that's why I like doing the interviews, you know, not just this, but the boxing stuff with Coogan and IFL, because it gives you the chance to be non-corporate. You know, you know, when I'm doing Sky Sports News or something like that, it's like, yes, you know, it's a, and then with Coogan or something, I might be sitting back, feet up and having a laugh. And yeah. obviously that's where no context hern, you know, got creative. Yeah. And, you like and, that? I I've read it's, yeah, I think it's quite I, I find it I find it fascinating because the guy wrote to me, this guy called Andy works for the NHS. This was like three years ago. And he said, look, I love your interviews. I'm going to start a no context turn page where I'm going to be putting up some of your clips and just want to let, like, are you all right with that? And I went, yeah, mate, whatever. Thinking, how big is that going to be? How decent of him to approach I'm you. Not, I know, but I just thought, how big is that going to be? Like, anyway, started off. I saw a few of them floating around and it was 3,000, 10,000 followers, 50, 100, 200. And then before I know it, I'm out on you know again on like the train or something like that and it's oh you're the guy oh you're i love your memes i love your memes like no i'm actually a boxing promoter oh yeah oh right yeah so it allows you to reach a new audience mm. um but a lot of people like sometimes i'll see people retweet one and they'll just go onto their page and they don't follow me so yeah. they don't know who i am or what i do they're just laughing at you know it's even like i think liverpool won the premier league and the first thing virgil van dyke posted with a picture of me right doing doing something something like job done off we go you know lardy da and a couple of beers or something like that and i just messaged him and i said you know nice guy mate he was like how oh, you legend eddie i'm thinking what and and uh oh, yeah. i was on league of their own with um Jim, uh, not jermaine genus uh, jesse lingard and he was like oh it's you oh, i love you it's like what the shows no no the memes oh they're unbelievable and so you got. You can't take yourself to. I hope you've been nice to Andy and offered him. Andy, don't worry about Andy. Andy created his own merchandise range. Oh. He then came on and said, "Can I do some mugs and t-shirts?" And I said, "Yeah, twenty percent to Haven House, which is a, a hospice we support, which he oh, yeah. you know ended up sending him a nice few thousand. And uh, he's doing all right, Andy. Don't worry about that. He's mugs and t-shirts and everything. But you can't. I, don't, I think if you take yourself too seriously, like you become quite unlikable and quite quite bitter and like you know and that's that's one thing i think you have you always have to be careful of is becoming bitter because it's easily done 
in a business of aggravation. Like again, it goes back to inboxing. So many things go wrong that you just you can wake up with a negative mindset. It's almost like you know, I'll go to bed, America's happening, and then I turn on my phone in the morning and it's like, oh, this didn't happen, or so and so's out, or especially now, so and so's got COVID, or this country's shut down. Uh, this state shut down with no crowds now. The venue's not taking any bookings. And it's like... Here we go again. You have to laugh. You have to just go, this is hilarious. You know, and you just... And is and that what you do? You know, so it's like, you just have to balance out the wins and the losses every day. So it's like, oh, blimey. And then something good happens there. Right, what's next? What you got for me? Oh, what a disaster. Right, oh, back over here. You know, that, it's a game. It's a game. Life's a game. Business is a game. And you have to play it and you have to enjoy it. And you have you can't take it too seriously. So I think I wanted to ask you about COVID for you. Mm. Have you, how have you adapted? Obviously you're like grounded, which is not normal mm. for you. Cause aren't you in America and all over the world? Yeah, the- come back actually. That's why it's not, it's not a oh, sum. Yeah, yeah. I've been over. I mean, we, we're lucky enough in, I mean, I was actually talking to some people at work today who are in the office and they're like, we feel privileged that we can actually, go to work you know and it's a weird environment where you know, we we really recruit at a junior level and we let people grow through the business a lot of our senior guys have been there since 16 17 and we love that we love to see people grow for the business so a lot of the younger kids are saying like this is like all my friends are at home and just working from their lounge all day can't move you know and now we're getting the opportunity to come in here we're getting the opportunity to be at live events. So we're lucky as a sport where, or all elite sport, is able to continue. The difficulty for us is obviously a different kind of model. Less revenue coming from the gate, no crowd. We have to really change the focus of the TV product so that, you know, we've built a sport that's based on, you know, the razzmatazz, the crowd, the ring walks, the sweet Caroline, the fireworks. And now we're having to do that behind closed doors. So the production's very different. and you know, I'm lucky in that I'm not, I'm traveling probably a five percent of, of what I'm used to, but you know, I have been able to get away. I've just come back from seeing various sites and places to go around America. You know, in America, in Miami, uh, sorry, in Florida and in Texas, they they're having crowds. You know, we had twelve thousand for Canelo. Yeah. We're going back to Miami with with uh, and it's it's weird, you know, and it's socially distanced, but it is it is it feels That's good. Right does it feel yeah it really does i mean we had a thousand people return for anthony yeah. Joshua's fight, that, so that felt like i was it was my first show you know because we'd gone six months seven months with fight boxing behind closed doors and then to see people back it was it was amazing you know and uh yeah and, and a thousand felt like fifteen thousand, and then two weeks later bang you know and who knows we may not be able to have crowds back till the summer, you know, and uh, you just, I think, it, it, again, it's another Can challenge. pause oh. you one second? Because oh. I hear my youngest crying his eyes out. How old is he? He's one. Right. Um, anyway, I will figure this out, whatever. Yeah. Work from home is how it is. That's what I wanted to do yeah. earlier today without children. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie. Did you talk to Dana White and say, look, how are we going to do this? Get back. Like, you'll get an island for your fights. Yeah. Like, how, how did boxing keep up? Or were you already there quickly? Well, we didn't do an island. We did my back garden, you know, for fight camp. And did you? Your yeah, that was, that was really unique. 
um, I was just sitting in the office, sort of looking outside and thought, we could do it out there. And everyone went, what? And I said, well, we need a venue, right? And we need a, an enclosed environment. We've got a hotel down the road. Um, we could put people in there, create a bubble, get them tested, shuttle them up for the fire. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it is, when you're testing probably 140 people a week, you know, you're keeping everybody in an enclosed environment in a hotel. It's 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 just a different kind of experience. So Dana White's done a couple of trips now to a, a little island in Abu Dhabi, which is a, a great idea. We've we've t- we've tended to keep things local. I mean, we're promoting in the US, the UK, Italy, Spain um, at the moment, and and things are. I think the most frustrating thing is you make progress and then they take it all away from you. So, like I said, you come back with a thousand for AJ and then all of a sudden no crowds, you know, and, but when we had a thousand, I'm thinking, do you know what? In January, February, I think we'll get two or 3000. And then by March, we might be at eight or nine and et cetera. So, um, again, it, it comes down to not taking yourself too seriously and just, just laughing and enjoying it because nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. You know, what matters is that you're happy and, you you know, you enjoy what you do. So all this other stuff, good days, bad days, but you, you just can't take is it too seriously. Is that your kind of message, do you think, Charles? My message is keep things simple. Keep things simple. And I think that, you know, generally making sure that you can look yourself in the mirror and feel comfortable with yourself. I mean, it takes people a long time to get that feeling in life, but that's probably, you're right there. <laughs> that's probably that's probably go on, go on you do it sorry the second one yeah come here yeah. how old's the other one four. Oh wow so he should my, be fine anyway my, my, now. Go on. Chill. my sister's uh my sister's son's four twins yeah. I need so, yeah my message my message is really just don't take things don't take yourself too seriously just um you know enjoy what you do try and find a passion for what you do i think there's a lot of people who are in jobs or careers that don't really want to be in those positions and i think that's that for me makes me realize how lucky i am because i see a lot of people go out getting a job sit at their desk and just clock watch what time i've got you know and leave and then but at the same time a little bit envious of those people because once five o'clock comes gone you know that 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 once my end of day comes I can't stop thinking about the day or what I've got to do tomorrow. And it's and not, it's never a tough moment. No, never, never, never. Did your family life suffer? Uh, yeah, my dad was with, you know, when we was away, I think last, whenever it was August or something like that. And he said, uh, turn your phone off. I said, well, I can't turn my phone off. He's like, oh, shut up. What? You know, I said, no. And I was on the phone all, all the time, but it's, it's the obligation. It's what comes with it. You can't have it both ways. You know, you can't win. You can't be the best at what you do if you don't make sacrifices. And my sacrifice sometimes, unfortunately, is having to be an unsociable git and leave the table for the whole of dinner and make a conference call or try and make a deal. But just like an athlete might have to make sacrifices, this is the sacrifices that everybody in their field has to make to be at the top of what they do. That You don't just win because you're decent at what you do you win because you work harder than anyone else you're prepared to make more sacrifices and you're prepared to go the extra mile 
and and that's that's the difference but without those sacrifices you ain't gonna win it's a good message <laughs> sorry kid <laughs> <laughs> listen to this son listen if to this, son. this we're gonna have to go to bed <laughs> Well, Eddie, I think I've taken up far too much of your time. But before I go, the last thing I'd like to ask people, if you can think of something, is do you have a quote or a motto or a saying that you live by? Like, what's the kind of phrase in your head that you're like, Well, keeps you going? There's a few. Oh, great. Um, And in a sales sense, in a business sense, one is always leave a little bit of bread in the fish's mouth. Right, which is means don't be too greedy. Greed is a killer. It's one thing I haven't talked about. Once you become too greedy, once you start, you know, mm. wanting too much control, you become unlikable and you know, you become a bitter person. The next one is which is a no context home, which is on a mug, which is don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> right. Right, it's a straightforward one. And the one that I love more than anything is Warren Buffett, who said, When the tide goes out you get to see who's swimming naked. And what that means is when things get tough, you get to really see, you know, who, what people are made of. And sometimes, you know, you, you, uh, things get tough. If you don't have a good business and COVID's a great example of that because people who didn't have a solid business, people that weren't doing things right, people that didn't have the right fundamentals are now getting found out. So they're the people that were swimming naked. People who ran a great business come out with the yellow speedos on. So, you know, it's, everyone's a winner. Thank you, Eddie. No worries. Sorry it was a bit late today. <laughs> <laughs>